0: The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today the feast we celebrate in the Church is the great feast of Corpus Christi, the Body of Christ. It's an image that has so many overtones and undertones, it's so powerful and provocative throughout the history of the Church. To me, the greatest thing about the image of Corpus Christi, or the Body of Christ, is that it is the best description of the church. I know I spoke about this I think several months ago on this show, but it's such an important point I want to just touch on it briefly. The church is not an organization. The church is an organism. An organization is the United States government or the Cub Scouts or General Motors. Those are voluntary associations, things that we have come up with We decide to join, we construct them, we create them. The church is not an organization like that. The church is an organism. It's a living thing. Christ is its head and its life. Christ is the life force that holds together a body. There is the great image, the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. We, members of the church, are cells or organs in this body. Remember these great quotes from the scripture? I am the vine, you are the branches. Now that's not organizational language. That's not flowchart language. That's organism language. Christ is the living vine, we are the branches grafted onto him. In John's Gospel, over and over again, he says, live in me. Notice, please, not just follow me, not just listen to me, the way you'd follow or listen to any religious leader or guru. But Jesus says, live in me. I'm your life. The church is his body. Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, there's no life in you. Again, we're relating to him not just as a leader and an inspiring teacher. We're relating to him as the one in whom we live. Middle of the last century, 1950. Pope Pius XII comes out with an encyclical, Mystici Corporis on the mystical body of Christ. This was the culmination of a long period of theological reflection. Many of the leading theologians of the 19th and 20th centuries put a great stress on this theme of the mystical body. What they loved about it was this, the connection it made between church, liturgy, and society. All three of those things are linked. Theologians in our country, such as Virgil Michael and Godfrey Diekman up at St. John's in Collegeville. In fact, Godfrey Diekman is still alive. He's about 94, still going strong. But a great stress they placed was on this connection between church, liturgy, and society. In the liturgy, we realize and display our identity as the Corpus Christi, as the body of Christ. But what they saw was this. Therefore, it has implications for how we live and order our society. The church's purpose is to draw the whole world into the power of Christ. Therefore, what's displayed in the liturgy and the Eucharist is meant to be a kind of model for society. One of our dangers, of course, is that we can simply balkanize ourselves. The church has becomes a little tiny... Uh, uh, entity in the corner, and the world and culture go on around it. The purpose of the church, of course, is to be 11 to society, 11 to culture, and to make it according to the power and energy of Christ. That's what these people saw in the 20th century, especially these liturgical theologians. Let me try to make sense of some of this, hitting a few of the points that these great figures made. They saw in the structure of the liturgy, a display of this new life, this new identity that has all these societal implications. Let's look at it a bit step by step. Notice, first of all, the way we gather for the liturgy. You might say, well, that's just the warm-up. That's just a preliminary to the Mass. No, the way we gather is itself an integral part of the liturgy. Our society, our culture, is so stratified. It's so divided into class, social, economic, political divisions. Who's up, who's down, who has more, who has less. We live in a very divided, stratified society. How do we gather for the liturgy? Everybody's welcome around the table. Rich and poor. Educated and uneducated those who are in and those who are out, those who are societally up and those who are societally down. They're all welcome around the table. And what we're doing, Christians, when we gather this way, is we are embodying what this identity of the body of Christ is. Everyone a member of the same life. You know, I love this in Dorothy Day, who's one of my heroes, the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement. But when Dorothy Day was considering becoming a Catholic, She went through a long period of conversion. She was so moved by the way Catholics gathered for the Mass because she saw there just what I'm talking about. The poorest members of the society knelt and sat and stood right next to the wealthiest members of society. All those distinctions and divisions that were so important in the world suddenly were not important around the table of the Lord, and that's why it was so rich. That's why it was so powerful for her. Notice, too, once we've gathered, we sign ourselves with the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, just last week I talked about the Trinity on Trinity Sunday. When we sign ourselves with that sign, we are placing our lives within the embrace of the Trinitarian life. We live now, as it were, in the space opened up by the Father and the Son. We live in the love that joins them, in the Holy Spirit. The communio, the communion, the family life which is God, now we say that becomes our life. That's where we live. That's where we participate. Think of that, Christians, whenever you make the sign of the cross at the beginning of the liturgy. What happens next? We admit that we are sinners. And I would submit this is a revolutionary act. We together say, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy, Christe eleison, Christ have mercy. And then we say it a third time, Lord have mercy. Before we enter into these great sacred mysteries, the display of Christ's life, we admit that we do not live in conformity with that life. Friends, how many places in our society do you find people willing and able to admit their weakness and their sinfulness? You know, in economic and political and social settings, to admit your weakness is to open yourself to attack. No, we live in denial, we live in complacency. Call it what you want, but the one thing you don't do is you admit you're weak. When we gather around the table of the Lord, we joyfully, happily, willingly admit our own weakness. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I stand before you as a sinner. That is so important, I think, in the Christ life, in this Corpus Christi life, that we're able to acknowledge our sin and therefore our need for grace. Next, in the liturgy of the Word, we hear about the new world. We live in the world of sin. We know what that's like. Competition, rivalry, violence, hatred. We know that world. Now in the scriptures, Old Testament and New, we hear about the new world. What does the world of God's love and God's grace, God's compassion, God's forgiveness look like? What looks like these readings from Isaiah and from Jeremiah, from Genesis, from Exodus, from Paul, from the Gospels, from the book of Revelation. It's a display of the new world. As we gather around the table, we say, Lord, draw us into this new world, that we might become more and more the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. You know, I tell my students here at Mundelein that that's really what the the homilist does. The purpose of the homily is to display that biblical world in all of its surprise and all of its strangeness, to draw people into it. Think about this, too. After proclaiming our faith, we intercede to the Lord for one another. Again, the sinful world that we live in, you know, it's, I'm in it for myself, you're in it for yourself. And we live in this sort of rivalrous competition. But around the table of the Lord, when we're living the Corpus Christi life, of course we pray for each other. We call to mind the needs of the community and we pray for one another. Yes, we do bear each other's burdens when we live around that table and we live in that body. The collection, every pastor's favorite part of the liturgy, but the collection is not just a pragmatic consideration. The collection is liturgically important because we're making a very similar point. We are generously contributing to the work of the church on behalf of the poor and the sick, and the marginalized. What our society tells us precisely not to do, you know, I mean, look out for yourself and hoard things for yourself. Now around the table of the Lord, we say we live in a new way. Now we do bear each other's burdens. Yes, we are responsible. Because listen, we're part of the body of Christ. We're connected to each other. We can't say that's your problem and not mine. Precisely as your problem, it is my problem. Now, we symbolize that. We say it. Precisely in the collection, when we offer generously of our own wealth, our own treasure. I love the fact that just before the Eucharistic prayer, we sing the song of the angels, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord. Well, that's a nice decorative element of the liturgy. No, it's not just decorative. We are doing something very powerful. We are trying to link our lives here to the communio, which is around the throne of God in heaven. The angels, that means all those spirits in a very high pitch of existence who are gathered around God's throne and together praise Him and thereby realize their unity. What we're doing when we join our voices to theirs, we sing their song, is we're saying we too want to be like them. We want to be a community of love and nonviolence, join together in praise of God. Think about that when you pray the holy, holy, holy. You're trying to become like the community of the angels. Then, of course, at the high point of the liturgy, at the consecration, when Christ becomes really, truly, personally, and substantially present among us, there is the Corpus Christi on the altar. But the idea now is Christ, by his power, is going to make us into the Corpus Christi. It's so important, Christians, that we don't simply look at the Lord. You know, behold the Lamb of God, now we look at Him. No, present among us, He now invites us to come up and consume Him. See, we eat His body, we drink His blood. We don't just admire Him, we live in Him. He's the vine, we're the branches. The idea is we now take into ourselves the energy which He is. Isn't it wonderful that we call this moment of the Mass Communion? I'm receiving Communion. Communio. In receiving Christ, I am building up my Communio with everyone around me. It's never simply an individual act. Now, one last point. At the very end of the liturgy, the priest says, Go. The Mass has ended. Now you go in peace to love and serve the Lord. What he's saying there is something very sacred. Now that you have received the Christ energy, you've heard the stories, you've gathered yourself around the Corpus Christi, now you go out in your factory, in your office, in your home, every place you go, and you build the body of Christ in the secular society. The transformation of the world is the name of the game. Friends, just a quick reminder, check out the website, wordonfire.org, and you can contact me through that website. Keep the cards and letters coming, and God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the Word on Fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.